Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today we're going to talk about how art, eye-gazing, art and eye-gazing increase trust, intimacy, and connection. Today I went to the San Diego Museum of Art, which I've actually never attended Um, I've been to other museums, and if you know me, I love a museum. I love a museum, a coffee shop, a bookstore, a rainy day. Give me all the melancholy, that that Miles Davis kind of blue. I'm I'm here for it, right? In in doses. If it's if it's too much, like I I don't think I could live in Seattle. (laughs) It's just. That is just too, that's too much of a good thing right there. But I I went to the museum and I walk in and immediately I start to feel anxious. I'm looking at the art. I'm judging all of it. I'm like, this, this is trash. None of that. I mean, I mean, this is ancient. This is like 1700s, Renaissance, Picasso, realism, all these things, Japanese art. Um, I think they even had Indian art. And I'm like, whatever. And then I go, you know what, Leo? Just stop and take one of them in. Just just stop and stare and see what happens. And there was this kind of blue and white painting. It looked like a, a, a flower at first, kind of, sort of, if you look at it long enough. So I did. I just stopped and I, maybe I was about... 10 maybe uh, maybe about eight feet from it and I just stared at it for a while and I wasn't even staring at the painting I was just staring at a little dot on the painting and I set my timer you know I'm a, I'm a geek I, I might be on a spectrum somewhere but I set my timer for about three minutes because I want I just like just be here for three minutes this is my meditative practice and all of a sudden, this thing, this painting that I was about to walk past that didn't look like much, that didn't do anything for me, quote unquote, all of a sudden, it's starting to transform before my eyes. I'm, I'm starting to feel held by it. Um, there's even a moment where I can feel myself being pulled in by the painting, like like it's pulling me in, it's wrapping me uh, in itself, and it's just holding me. Uh, there, there was a moment where I felt like it was reaching out to me, but like in a, um, not screaming, but it just in this an impassioned way where it just, it was reaching its arms and hands out towards me. Um, and, and so it just, the longer I stood there, the, the more experiences I had. Some were more calming, others were a bit more intense. But, the, but it, in that span of, a, of three minutes, it, it was constantly moving and shaping. Sometimes I felt like I was in the painting. And then sometimes I felt like I was out. Sometimes I felt like I was in my body. And sometimes I felt like 
I was having an outer body experience. And I, I bring this up because we go through life so fast. And if we don't stop and pause, then we miss out on experiencing life. There was a, a woman, and I, I guess her husband or a friend of hers, I, I didn't feel like they were a husband and wife, but um, they were walking through and, and she sees a painting. And she's like, oh, there's something very peaceful about this painting. It, 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 it was. It was something very peaceful. It was a, it was a tree in the, in the middle of nowhere, and there was a, a, a heel that was the same size of the tree, but, but larger, right? It was, it was wider, but it was the same height, maybe a little taller. But there was something about this, this heel, like a shoe, right? Like a woman's shoe. Um, and the, and the tree, and then there was just nothing out in the, they were just out in the middle of nowhere that was very calming, very peaceful. And I suggested to her, I said, just sit with it for a little longer and you'll, you're going to experience some other things. And she looked at me like, really? And so she did. I was like, yeah, just hang out there for a couple minutes and see how your experience of it changes. And then, you know, I had went into another room to look at some other art, and she comes up. She goes, yeah, it completely, I start to feel all these other uh, things, and I was quite surprised. And then we started talking about other art, and the second piece of artwork I was looking at, first it brought up rage and anger, and then it was a kinetic energy, and um, and then it felt like I was in a Western, and uh, then it felt like it was two paintings, like like the painter started off with one thing and it became something else and there was a door. I bring this all up to say that for ourselves and for the people in our lives, are we just walking by them without really taking them in, without allowing ourselves to have more than one experience? You know, they say uh, first impressions are, are everything. Yeah, I, I could see that, but the first impression doesn't have to be just one emotion. It can be a range of emotions. You know, where we just moved in San Diego, um, I'm still kind of new here, right? Because I, I, I travel so much. I'm not home very often. Some of the neighbors, we know a lot of neighbors, but there's, and then there's new neighbors moving in. So sometimes when I go for a walk, there's someone who looks at me and I could tell they don't, they don't know, like, are you from, they look at me that, like, are you from the neighborhood kind of look? And it's uncomfortable sometimes because I want to be like, hey, you know, I live in a neighborhood, nice to, you know. Um, but I also recognize that that's, uh, the, that's the initial reaction. But if we stood and talked to each other for two or three minutes, the same way that I stood and looked at the painting for two or three minutes, then our experience of each other would change. It might change more for the negative. It, it might change for the positive. Maybe we have a, a deeper connection. 
Michelle and I, we've been together for almost four years. Actually, October 14th. Oh, she's going to kill me. I believe October 14th is our anniversary. Uh, we do have things planned for it. But, I, you know, I have to be honest. In the beginning, when we first started dating, like, I, I was looking into her eyes. I was staring into her soul. I couldn't, I couldn't take in enough of her, right? Now I've had enough of her. No, I'm joking. But I, I recognize in myself, I don't spend enough time or we don't spend enough time just looking at each other and allowing our experience of each other to change. We, you know, we're so wrapped up in our, in our work and our to-do list and, and then, you know, just trying to get ready. And then all of a sudden it's time to get ready for bed um, that we really have to be intentional about stopping, pausing, taking each other in um, by just staring at each other. In physics, they say that it's, it's been proven in physics that an object will change its trajectory just based on being observed. So say you shoot a basketball, right? Out of, say a machine shoots a basketball and the basketball goes into the rim every single time. Just by observing the basketball, it changes the trajectory of the basketball, and now it doesn't go in the rim the same. You're not changing anything else, not the mechanics, not the size of the ball. You're just bringing in observers, and it changes the trajectory of the basketball. I bring that up to say that when we think of changing someone or even changing ourselves, we think it requires such a drastic undertaking when really it requires a few minutes of us sitting and looking into our eyes, getting into our soul, into our spirit, into our body, absorbing those different energies and experiences. I think there's a fear and I'll, I'll say this for myself, there's a fear of like you don't want to be caught looking at yourself because then that's, you know, you're self-centered, you're stuck up, you're, you're maybe you're narcissistic or what have you. But there's a difference between looking at yourself and looking into your eyes, right? When you're looking at yourself, you're, you're either judging or you are in full ego mode, patting yourself on the back, loving yourself. But when we are looking into our eyes, we are then creating a deeper connection, right? Research shows that just staring for 90 seconds, and just 90 seconds into each other's eyes, it the brain, the brain waves start to wire together. So if you look at yourself or if you look at your significant other 90 seconds, all of a sudden 
your brain connections start to wire and fire together. All of a sudden, you're on the same page. That's right. Our our physiology, it just just syncs up. I mean, and we know this, and this makes sense from a level when you think about women who are roommates, their uh, menstrual cycles start to sync up, right? And the other part that they've discovered through research is that people, if you have schizophrenia, right, staring at ourselves in the eyes, it allows the disconnected parts of ourself to become integrated. I'll say that again. It allows the disconnected parts of ourself to become integrated. And I experienced this. As I'm walking through the museum, I felt so frazzled. I felt like all the artwork were pulling me in their direction. Like, look at me, look at me. And then when I stopped and I just looked at this one painting and I I just decided. There was nothing special about this painting from the others. It was just in front. I just decided. I go, I'm going to look at this for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, I started to feel myself come back together again. A moment ago, I felt stretched out. I felt like I was um, being pulled in, in all these different directions. And now I'm starting to feel integrated from head to toe. I could literally feel my body light up. Now, research also shows, and here's what's cool, for those of you who like to do some mushrooms, uh, if you look at your partner for up to 10 minutes, you will experience two to four hallucinations. That's right, two to four hallucinations. Like their, Their faces will start to morph. They'll start to look like animals. They'll start to look like you. They'll start, and I've experienced this before where I did, I, I gazed with uh, someone years ago. And before, right before me, her, her face just kept morphing from one thing to the next. And there were periods where was, I thought I was looking at like 10 people in front of me. So eye gazing for up to 10 minutes can lead to hallucinations two to four but you know within 90 seconds to two minutes we will feel the disconnected parts of ourselves become integrated how beautiful is that when you think about the intimacy that's built from eye gazing right we talked about intimacy the longer you stare at someone's face the more you become attracted to it. So, you know, if you've been with someone for a while or if you've been with yourself for a while but you don't like how you look, the longer you're able to look at yourself in the mirror, look into your eyes, I should say, then the more attractive you will become to yourself or your partner will become to you. And then, you know, whatever happens from there happens. Uh, This is a family-friendly show. And then we talk about trust. Think about when you're talking to somebody, you ask them a question, and they look away. 
subconsciously we go, oh, this person is lying to me. They can't be trusted. But then when someone can hold eye contact, to a certain extent, right? To a certain extent, it, it, this can go either way. But generally speaking, when someone can hold eye contact, we feel like they're trustworthy. Especially like on camera. I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, actors have been trained not to blink when they're on camera unless the 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 scene calls for them to blink a lot for whatever reason, right? They get the just water being sprayed in their face. But for the most part, actors are trained not to blink because it makes what they're saying more believable. So we see intimacy, we see how it works with trust. And then in terms of connection, when we eye gaze, when we are looking into the eyes of ourself or of a loved one, it also reduces the boundaries of ourself and the other person. You know, when you are first meeting someone, you see yourself and you see them and you're thinking about yourself and you're thinking about them, but you're not thinking about us as a, as a whole. But if you sit together and you look into each other's eyes, not talking, not goofing around, not making, not making stinky faces, right, or noises, then that boundary of you and me dissipates. It's us. We are one. So many people are looking for the one, not knowing that if they just can sit with anyone for a few minutes, they will feel the oneness in which they are seeking. And if they can sit with themselves, they would recognize that they are the one. It goes back to that movie, The Matrix. You are the one, Neo. We are all the one. We just have to sit with ourselves long enough to realize it. I really enjoyed my time today at the Art Museum. It deepened my appreciation for detail. There, there was this one painter who did realism. It looked like they were photos. That is how realistic his paintings were. I had to look at them from different angles to see the different brush strokes. It even deepened my emotional connection. And one of the ways that it did that is when I go in an art gallery, I don't read the description first. I, I allow myself to experience it first, to feel what it's saying to me before I, I allow the painter or the art museum to tell me how to interpret this. I want to I wanna feel it first before I think about it. I'm the filter, right? It also helped to increase my cultural understanding because one of the things I noticed in, the, in some of the paintings were paintings of people on the beach in full clothes. Or, and these were like coming from like the Renaissance area, Victorian era, what have you. And then workers in fields in, you know, 
pants and button downs with suspenders and a hat. Like they they're, they're dressed like how people would tr- dress going to church, you know, minus the suit jacket. So it's a reminder of how much our culture has changed, the clothes that we wear change, and our understanding of of bodies and movement and work, right? Um, and then it also reduced my stress. As I told you, I felt pulled in different directions. Um, it allowed me to to just pause, stop, and 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 experience. And then the the really cool thing, the last cool thing about going to the art museum was the social aspect. It got me out the house. Um, there was a Balboa Park in San Diego. It's a massive park. And so I'm, I'm looking at people playing with their kids, couples taking photos, families having picnics, people showing their friends around town, like, hey, so this is Balboa Park, that kind of thing. Social media influencers. There was a duck pond, and the duck pond really stood out to me because I had a dream that I was attacked by ducks, like ducks were flying towards me. It woke me up. It terrified me. Even Michelle was like, what? What's going on? I was like, sorry, some ducks (laughs) were flying towards me. And then my favorite part of the museum, and I'll leave you with this, my favorite part was the bookstore. You know Leo Flowers loves a bookstore. So I had to take a photo of a couple quotes. And what quote do I want to leave you with? So <laughs> my, they opened this book about architecture. And it said that art is the highest form of hope. I love that quote. I don't know who said it. But I love it. Art is the highest form of hope. And it is because, you know, when you think about all the wars that are taking place, when you think about global warming and all the other issues, the isms that are taking place, for someone to have the audacity to pull out a paintbrush (laughs) and dab a little yellow and a little blue, and then a start with an upward stroke on the canvas. You got to be like, what, man? Like, don't you see what's happening out there on the streets? And here you are. There's something revolutionary about knowing your purpose, controlling what you can control, and moving forward. Now, it also could be seen as a bit ridiculous, but I love that art is the highest form of hope. And I'll leave you with that. If you found any benefit, any value from this episode, take seven seconds and share it with one other person. And then you can talk about what gives you hope, your experience with art, who your favorite artist is. I discovered a really cool artist. What's this guy's name? Man, I did some, uh, (laughs) I know I'm supposed to be wrapping up. I did. I practiced some kanji, which is Japanese writing. They had a um, an iPad, and I was able to. Um, and they had a, um, some kanji letters, 
And then they have a little paintbrush, and it was an, uh, a program where you can practice your kanji. So that was pretty cool. I just, you know, I had a, I had a beautiful time. And so if you're wondering who the artist is, Carlo Miranda. Carlo Miranda. She was a registered nurse, and now she has her art at the San Diego Museum of Art. I think that's so beautiful, right? Carlo Miranda. Uh, and her uh, gallery is called In Search of Sonder, S-O-N-D-E-R. So check out Carlo Miranda, M-I-R-A-N-D-A, and uh, and let me know what you think of her art, It's or, or his art. I, I said her because uh, Miranda is feminine, the A at the end, but I was like, oh, no, it's not Carla, it's Carlo. But anyway, this has been a long ending. I appreciate you tuning in. And uh, remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling a 988 or any of the other 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.